It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. One for three. One for three or yeah, one and that's two? That's what I meant. One for three. Oh, one for three. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> USC, baby. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 698 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, April the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network all week long across the network. All of our hosts are doing deep dives on the greatest seasons in their respective teams' histories. Lots of great guest interviews and deep dives on specific topics and, and you know, a range of seasons as well, going back to like the 1950s for the Cleveland Indians to the 2010s for the Philadelphia Flyers and other teams like that, the LA Dodgers, all over the place. It's, uh, it's really cool great uh, initiative across the network so please make sure you're checking it out and subscribing to rating and reviewing any shows that you want to support on the network it's very much appreciated and uh on that note let's get to today's show as we continue our look back at the raptors championship season just last year it's very easy to talk about the raptor raptors best season in history because it just happened and so we're going to continue on with my audiobook series today of We the Champs. Of course, Monday we did the reading of the Sixers chapters of the book that myself and Alex Wong wrote. Yesterday with Vivek Jacob, we talked about that Sixers series in depth. Today we are running through the six chapters covering the Milwaukee Bucks series in We the Champs. And then tomorrow, Alex Wong is going to join me and we're going to talk about the series at length. So look forward to that. But before we get to that tomorrow, let's get to the dramatic reading of We the Champs by yours truly and lots of wonderful clips provided by our friends at TNT as well. So without further ado, do let's get to it my reading of we the champs the milwaukee bucks series it's a good one if you recall Kawhi leonard pretty good at basketball enjoy <laughs> the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's game one of the best of seven. The Toronto Raptors facing the Milwaukee Bucks, the winner heading to the NBA. May 15th, 2019, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Eastern Conference Finals, game one. Bucks 108, Raptors 100. Toronto found itself in an unfamiliar spot heading into the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. For the first time in the postseason, Toronto wasn't burdened by the expectations that come with being favored. With just two off days between series, the citywide high Kawhi Leonard induced with his miracle buzzer beater had barely even worn off in Toronto. Milwaukee's 60 regular season wins led the league. They boasted the likely league MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and their advanced statistics painted the picture of a historically dominant title favorite. Home court tends to come in handy in the postseason as well. Advantage Bucks in that department too. 
Barring an embarrassing exit in four or five games, there would have been no shame in the Raptors falling to the league's supreme darlings of 2019. Toronto's start in Game 1 indicated early that the teams were far more closely matched than original prognostications suggested. A commitment to sprinting out off Bucks misses early and a healthy diet of long-range shots saw the Raptors race out to a 34-23 lead on the Bucks' home floor. Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam chipped in 9 points each. No big deal. What was really encouraging on the Toronto side of the ledger was the aggression of Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol. Both hampered by passiveness when the Sixers would gift-wrap them open looks at the basket, the pair fired away whenever open against their new, less physically imposing opponent. Against Milwaukee, a team that attempted more threes than every team but one in the regular season, Toronto made a concerted effort to tilt the math equation in its favor from beyond the arc. More than half the Raptors' looks in the opening 12 minutes were threes. They went 6 of 13. Milwaukee spent the middle quarters pecking away at the cushion Toronto built up early. They didn't do so through their typical brand of high-octane offense, though. Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, the Bucks' two most steady sources of reliable offense, were stifled by Toronto's defensive plan of attack. Toronto swarmed Antetokounmpo with fury any time he made a foray to the rim, often meeting him with three or four bodies. Five turnovers marred the Bucks' superstar's otherwise solid 24-14-6 line for the game. Middleton finished the game with just 11 points on 4 of 11 shooting as he drew the undesirable task of scoring with Kawhi Leonard stapled to him as a primary defender. Middleton's work as Leonard's guard on the other end, however, more than made up for his off-shooting evening. Even when Leonard found success, it was hard-earned. His 14-point third quarter, for example, required 12 shots and 4 trips to the line to accrue. Quote, we talk about defense, 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 said Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer. Quote, there are going to be nights where you don't make shots, and you've got to just continue to do well or give it defensively. If you do that, you can maybe break through and find a way to win on a night where you really don't shoot very well. Only one Raptor was truly able to bust out of the Bucks' clamps. Kyle Lowry, notorious for his no-shows in Game 1s, even as recently as his pointless playoff opener against Orlando a month prior, turned in one of the most complete efforts of his postseason career. Nursing a sprained left thumb that forced him to wear an oven mitt-like circulation glove anytime he wasn't actually playing, Lowry exploded for 30 points on 10 of 15 shooting and a blistering 7 of 9 mark from downtown. Making his gaudy numbers more impressive was the fact that they mostly came against all-defense first-team guard Eric Bledsoe. Middleton played by Lowry. Oh, the oh, steal man. by Lowry. What a play. And Lowry takes the distance. Active quick hands by Lowry. Quote, yeah, he was really good, Nurse said of his point guard. Quote, it's not easy. We talked about pregame. They've got a bunch of athletic guards, and they run a bunch of guys at him. They're doing a decent job of limiting his offensive touches. So I thought it was good that he could get the ball as much as he did. Lowry's steady stream of buckets was accompanied by all the other unchartable accoutrements his game includes. One diving save of an errant Danny Green pass stood out in particular. Quote, he was fighting like heck out there, a nurse went on. Quote, I thought he threw his body in front of people on a few things, didn't get the whistle on a few. He always draws charges, and there were a ton of charges going out there, but he was still taking them. That's his thing. And he was good. He was awesome. Nobody else on the Raptors warranted much praise after Game 1. As the game progressed, the Bucks' week of rest ahead of the series became an obvious factor in the proceedings. Toronto entered the fourth quarter with an 83-76 lead and a chance to steal away home court in the series. They did not seize it. Toronto's non-Lowry guys went quite literally as cold as humanly possible. Just five Raptors shots found the bottom of the basket in the final 12 minutes. Every single one of them came off the hands of Lowry. He missed just twice. His teammates went 0 of 15. Another three for Kyle Lowry. Where would they be? Where would this Raptors team be in this second half without the services of Kyle Lowry? They'd be down. That's where they'd be. <laughs> 
A single Pascal Siakam free throw, along with a pair of Leonard makes from the stripe that put Toronto up 100-98, were all the help Lowry received on the offensive end. Lowry's solo efforts weren't enough to ward off the inevitable Bucks surge. Brooke Lopez caught fire from Milwaukee late. The NBA's single-season record holder for threes made by a 7-footer had just one to show for the opening three frames. He dropped three in the fourth on five tries and posted 13 of his 29 points in the quarter. Bucks have a one-point lead. Two minutes to play. Fourth quarter. Lopez for three. Yes! He has been on fire in every phase of the game. A 10-0 run from Milwaukee in the final three and a half minutes sealed the victory and the 1-0 series lead. You could not help but be reminded of a different missed opportunity for the Raptors in a critical Game 1 a year earlier. At the end of a tightly contested opener against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 2018 Eastern Conference Semifinals, Fred Van Vliet missed a wide-open three with the game tied and only a few seconds left on the clock. His miss was followed by four straight bricked putbacks by DeMar DeRozan and Jonas Valanciunas. The game went to overtime, and the Raptors fell 113-112 to lose an eminently winnable game against a team they were quantitatively far better than. That loss broke the Raptors. Raps coach Dwayne Casey referenced the unfortunate finish to the game after each and every one of the Raptors' subsequent three losses to be swept out of the playoffs by LeBron James again. They could not get past it. Losing another game that was on a platter a year later may have been an insurmountable obstacle for the old Raptors. But these were the new Raptors. Quote, it sucks when you lose like that, but we had a chance and we got to learn from it and make an adjustment, said a calm Lowry after the loss. Quote, stay even keeled, never too high, never too low. Just look at the film and get better. Toronto's resolve to power through hard times would again be tested in 48 hours time. The Bucks 108, the Raptors 100, Milwaukee concludes with a 10 one the last three and a half minutes. So the Bucks take game one, game two. May 17th, 2019, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 2, Bucks 125, Raptors 103. Some nights you just don't have it. Surely the Raptors hoped they wouldn't be afflicted by a bout of utter hopelessness on a night when a 2-0 series hole hung in the balance, but you can't always choose when the gears are going to get stuck. Frankly, Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals could have been called three minutes after tip, as the Bucks galloped to a 9-0 lead that they'd only continue to build upon throughout the evening. Seems like he's aggressive. Going inside. Another oh, Beautiful whip pass by Bledsoe for the setup. Well, how could your potential MVP be that wide open? Quote, you got your coverages and your things you're going to do at the beginning, and we just missed them early, said Nick Nurse of the lackluster start by Toronto. Quote, we were just a step too slow on just about everything. A talk before the game about just how important shot contesting was. I just didn't think we settled in with some space, and we gave him confidence early. You just can't do that. In diagnosing why the Raptors fell so flat in Game 2, the first area of focus would be Mark Gasol. In Game 1, Gasol was excellent for three quarters, quarterback in the defense, going toe-to-toe with the NBA's dunk king, Antetokounmpo, and taking at least some of the uncontested shots available to him. As he cratered in the fourth quarter, on offense, on the glass, and around the rim, Toronto's odds of winning plummeted. He was even more dreadful the next time out. Gasol made a career out of being one of the deftest passing big men in basketball history. 
His ability to bind together disparate parts of an offensive attack with his dishes and dimes was one of the reasons the Raptors found themselves in the conference finals, period. It served as a bad omen, then, when midway through the first quarter, Gasol attempted to hit Kawhi Leonard on a basic high-low feed. Instead of finding a soft landing in the hands of Leonard under the hoop, the ball ricocheted off the bottom of the backboard into the hands of Antetokounmpo, who streaked the other way for his third thunderous dunk of the quarter. The play was symptomatic of the Raptors' team-wide disarray. Quote, I don't know, I feel bad for him, said a perplexed nurse. Quote, most of those went in and out. It's like he's a really good player, a really good scorer. He was taking good shots and just couldn't buy one. Gasol's 1-of-9 shooting effort was secondary to the measly 19-21 of court time he saw in what was to that point his worst game in a Raptors uniform. His scaled-back second-half workload was partly a byproduct of the game being out of reach, but it could have also represented the early stage of a diminished trust on Nurse's part in Gasol's ability to hang in the Bucks' matchup. Calls for a starting lineup change dominated the day off between games 2 and 3, with the struggling Gasol at the center of the outrage. Of course, a 22-point shellacking is never the fault of just one man. Game 2 was on par with Games 3 and Game 6 against Philly when it came to the number of duds laid up and down the roster. Larry had one of his worst games of the postseason, a mostly ineffectual 15 points, on 4 of 13 shooting, and a decidedly un-Larry-like minus 19 when on the court. Pascal Siakam, cruelly tasked with guarding and being guarded by Antetokounmpo after having to contend with Joel Embiid a series prior, fouled out before ever establishing an imprint on the game. His issues staying in front of the Greek freak inspired what ended up being Antetokounmpo's best game of the series, 30 points, 17 rebounds, and 5 assists, with a couple blocks added in for fun. Ironically enough, it was that performance that would spawn a series-altering adjustment from Nurse a game later. Nurse had no answers in the moment of Game 2, though. A resilient third-quarter push flirted with becoming a little interesting. Leonard was a casual supernova, navigating the rugged Bucks defense en route to an efficient 15 points in the frame. Norman Powell, silent since the end of the first round, flashed a bit of spunk in the third quarter as well. Powell's awakening was cause for at least a touch of optimism heading into a virtual must-win Game 3. His history of tormenting the Bucks dated back to the opening round of the 2017 playoffs, when his move into the starting five in a high-stakes Game 4 all but solved the series for Toronto. Quote, Yeah, it was good to see Norm, Nurse mentioned post-game. Quote, I had planned on using him a lot more in the rotation. I think he fits the series a little more than versus Philadelphia. With his speed and strength and athleticism, his ability to take it off the bounce. We're going to need that. It was good to get him going, and I would imagine going forward he'll be a critical part of the series for our rotation. If Powell was going to return to utility in the conference finals, maybe the Raptors would stand a chance of drawing out the series. If nothing else, another name was thrown in the hat with which Nurse could contemplate big-time lineup changes. He'd get a single day to sort out his plan. Toronto would be playing to save its season in Game 3 back at home. And they are two games away from the NBA Finals, seeking to make it to the Finals for the first time since the early 70s. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. May 19th, 2019, Toronto, Ontario. Eastern Conference Finals, Game 3. Raptors 118, Bucks 112 in double overtime. Superstars thrust teams into the realm of contention, but more often than not, 
It's out-of-body experiences by role players that win championship rings. The Toronto Raptors got the best of both in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Toronto's first game back home since Kawhi Leonard ended the Sixers was as close to do or die that it gets. No team in history has ever clawed out of a 3-0 hole in a best-of-seven series. To make up that ground against this Bucks team was beyond realism. Nick Nurse faced something of a crossroads in the lead-up to the game. His choices? Stick with the same starting lineup that had dominated opponents all spring but faltered two games straight, or toss the Scrabble pieces back in the bag and start shaking. Danny Green's shooting slump was weeks old by that point. Marcus Saul looked every one of his 34 years old over two games in Milwaukee. At the very least, Nurse could have justified a straight-up Green for Norman Powell's swap. He even tossed around the phrase, quote, lineup changes at his media availability between games. In a move that highlighted the difference between Nurse and his more panicky predecessor, Dwayne Casey, Toronto's head coach stuck with what got his team to the conference finals in the first place. Powell saw an uptick in minutes, and the defensive assignments of the starters were mixed around. Otherwise, stasis. Quote, well, I said lineup changes. I didn't say starting lineup changes, Nurse said cheekily when pressed about his decisions after the game. Quote, we played a lot of different lineups tonight, and we changed at least three, if not four, of the matchups to start the game. And then we brought Norman early and Surgeon early, and we went big. So I think some of those things, some of those changes were pretty good to us. Those tweaks included a dropping of the hammer. Kawhi Leonard, one of the best perimeter defenders of the last 20 years, if not all time, would slide over to be Giannis Antetokounmpo's primary defender. It was a choice that changed the tenor of the series. Nurse's changes, or lack thereof, helped Toronto leap out to a 30-21 lead to end the first. Powell subbed in for Green around the halfway point and poured in a third of Toronto's points on 80% shooting. Gasol made good on Nurse's belief. As the hub of the Raptors' offense, the Spaniard finished his first 10-minute stint with 8 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 assists. His contributions, however, were not relegated to the opening minutes of Game 3. Much like the way Game 1's script unfolded, Toronto found itself warding off the Bucks to lesser degrees of success as the night wore on. Milwaukee's defense tightened, yielding 19 points in each of the middle quarters as the Bucks inched closer and closer to par. George Hill, a Raptors tormentor of postseason's past, ripped off a 7 of 9 shooting performance to lead his team with 24 points off the bench. Malcolm Brogdon provided 20 more from the reserve crew, showcasing the distinct, on-paper edge the Bucks held over the Raptors in the Department of Guard depth. Fred Van Vliet had made just 6 shots since the end of the first round. Green was losing time to Powell, who'd been benched as recently as Game 7 against Philly. Through 36 minutes, Van Vliet and Green had missed all 10 of their combined attempts from the floor. Milwaukee trimmed the Raptors' lead to just two heading into a fourth quarter, upon which the entire season would hinge. As has been standard in Raptors' games since his arrival in the North back in 2012, Kyle Lowry was the engine powering most of Toronto's success in Game 3. He'd been navigating foul trouble, a common side effect of his balls-to-the-wall playing style. Still, his 11 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists were a calming force for the Raptors under the most intensive circumstances. Fluidity was restored to the offense any time he'd check back in. His necessity was why Nick Nurse rolled the dice by subbing Lowry in with 7-11 to play, disqualification just a single foul away. The Raptors led by just 3 at the time. Lowry was essential to a game-winning push. His first order of business was setting up a Powell 3 to double the lead. But then, a couple possessions later, disaster. A loose ball battle, a whistle blast from official Ed Malloy, and a sixth foul for Lowry. Oh, nice move by Brogdon, not able to finish. And Giannis is fouled as Lowry fouled out here. With 6-12 to play, and the chilly Van Vliet checking in to run the team, Toronto's six-point cushion almost felt like a deficit. 
Blood was in the water. Kawhi Leonard's solo stardom was not going to be enough to hold off the frenzied Bucks. If a Raptors supporting piece had one of those run-sustaining outbursts to offer up, now was the time. It so happened that Leonard had a couple guys around him pop when they were needed most. Gasol, playing with five fouls from the 5'11 mark on, was masterful on both ends, clearing the glass, playmaking in lieu of the departed Lowry, and orchestrating the defense that bent but didn't break down the stretch. Quote, He's a pro. He's a great player, said Mike Budenholzer of Gasol at the postgame podium. Quote, I'm sure him taking responsibility it just speaks to his character, and he came out and had a great game tonight. Van Vliet helped keep Toronto afloat, too. His first and only make of the night came from long range with 3.18 on the clock. Raptors with only one score the last five and a half minute fans. His work as a help defender, aiding the foul-troubled Gasol around the rim, was vital. Their efforts set the stage for Pascal Siakam to seal the win with a pair of free throws up 96-94 with seven seconds left to tick. Under the heft of the moment, Siakam missed both. On Milwaukee's next inbound, Chris Middleton drove and got blocked by Van Vliet at the rim, only to recover the miss and put it back. Overtime. Here's Middleton. The next five minutes were engine sludge incarnate. Neither defense budged for 90 seconds when Green, in for a fouled-out Powell, turned his 0 of 8 night into a 1 of 9. With just a 7-7 scoreline through 446 of OT, Leonard had an opportunity to end a second straight game at Scotiabank Arena with a buzzer beater. This time, his mid-range jumper failed to blow the roof off the joint. Double overtime. Leonard, Leonard with a fadeaway comes up short. And we're headed to a second overtime. Early in the second overtime, Antetokounmpo joined the six-foul brigade, leaving Leonard as the lone superstar left on the court. What followed was a four-minute mixtape of reasons why the Raptors swung the deal for Leonard in the first place. He finished off the Bucks with a surge of 8 points, a steal, and a rebound. On the back of 36, 9, and 5 in a career-high 52 minutes from their superhuman small forward, Toronto pulled out the 118-112 win. Quote, It's amazing. It's what he's been doing for us all year, especially in the postseason, Powell exclaimed after the win. Quote, He's a guy that all he wants to do is win. He doesn't care about the accolades, the points. As long as he's out there helping the team win, that's good for us. We feed off of that. He's a great leader for us. To be able to go out there and play 52 minutes and lead the team with his voice in the timeouts, telling us to stay calm, stay in the moment, not get anxious, it's amazing to have a guy like that on the team. Toronto had a challenging road ahead. Milwaukee had only lost back-to-back games one time during its historic regular season. The Raptors were wiped. The younger Bucks still favored to advance despite dropping such an emotionally charged game. But the Raptors had a, quote, guy like that on their side. Because of that fact alone, there was a chance. May 21st, 2019, Toronto, Ontario, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 4. Raptors 120, Bucks 102. Complete team efforts were hard to come by for the Raptors through 15 games in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard had done so much to pace the team on a nightly basis. Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry usually joined in the fun. 
Night to night, who filled the remaining gaps was anybody's guess. If no one brought the glue, the Raptors were likely to lose. So, it was refreshing to see the Raptors, on a night where Leonard began to show signs of all the miles he'd logged as Toronto's playoff horse, bring it from top to bottom. With contributions from all angles, the Raptors made what should have been their most difficult one of the playoffs yet look like a cinch. Serge Ibaka warned his teammates of the challenge that loomed in the effort to even the series at twos. He'd been in the Raptors' East Finals predicament before. Back in 2012, Ibaka was a core member of the Oklahoma City Thunder squad that stomped out the Spurs in four straight after an 0-2 start. That Spurs team, of course, had Danny Green and a rookie version of Leonard. It makes sense, then, that Ibaka helped spark the Raptors to pull away in the second quarter of Game 4 after a threatening Milwaukee start. Of Ibaka's 17 points and 13 rebounds over the course of a high-energy performance, 10-7 and 7 came during a single 8-minute stretch of work in the second. Toronto won the quarter by 9 and never looked back. Mercifully, finally, all three of Toronto's rotation reserves played well in concert. Powell was in heat check mode by the end of the third quarter with the game out of reach. While his 18 points on 18 shots weren't the height of efficient basketball, the mere fact that someone not named Leonard led the team in attempts was a welcome deviation from the rote plot points Toronto had adhered to all spring. Fred Van Vliet's out-of-control death spiral of a slump halted for good, too. The dam exploded open in the form of a 5-of-6 shooting line and a perfect stroke on three triples all just hours removed from the birth of his second child, Fred Jr., the apparent source of his rediscovered powers. Asked if Game 4 was the most complete performance by the Raptors as a team throughout the playoffs, Ibaka offered, quote, I think so. This playoff so far, yes. We needed it from, our team needed it from us, you know, coming off the bench to bring some energy and defensive intensity and score some points to help our starting lineup. I think it was big time for us tonight. The starters were great too. Marcus Gasol managed his second consecutive, quote, best game as a Raptor. Siakam's quiet seven points were complemented by six assists. Kyle Lowry poured in 25 points on just 11 attempts from the floor and a parade to the free throw line and was the best player on the floor from start to finish. Lowry from the wing, downtown, Kyle Lowry has been on fire. Leonard got a reprieve from the burden of his greatness for at least one night, one that turned out to be perfectly timed. Coming off the marathon of Game 3, Leonard looked to be bothered by a lingering leg issue. After a monstrous and one cram in the face of Antetokounmpo in the third quarter, Leonard gingerly walked to take his spot at the free throw line. Gasol with a nice pass and Leonard puts it down and comes up limping. Yeah, it's almost like he's cramping up when he exerts energy. He didn't quite look right for the rest of the evening. Between his diminished burst and the Bucks' commitment to smothering him with bodies any time he ventured near the paint, the supporting cast picked a good time to start knocking down open shots. Leonard's single assist belied the job he did in shepherding Toronto's offense along. Hockey assists were his currency in Game 4, and garbage time in the fourth helped limit Leonard to a manageable 34 minutes. With the Raptors finally congealing into a team of eight connected guys, and the series now even after an 18-point drubbing, it was the Bucks who had been pushed onto the back foot or hoof? Mike Budenholzer would face some questions ahead of Game 5 back in Milwaukee. How he answered them would likely determine the Eastern Conference champions. It's all even at 2-2. Two two. The Bucks winning the first two in Milwaukee. Raptors take two here in Toronto. Game 5 back in Milwaukee on Thursday. May 23rd, 2019. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Eastern Conference Finals Game 5. Raptors 105. Bucks 99. Of all the cliches that get tossed around at playoff time, the idea that a series doesn't begin in earnest until a home team loses is among the ones that rings the truest. 
The later said home loss takes place, the more dire the straits for the team that yields it. Going into Game 5 back in Milwaukee, the smart money was on the Bucks to win. Three straight L's could not be found on their 2018-19 game log, playoffs or regular season. Throw in the madness of five-serve form as a road environment to try and steal a game from, and the Raptors were in a tough spot. After dropping the first two games of the series, the realistic best-case scenario was to swap home wins and try to steal a Game 7 back on the road. Early in Game 5, it seemed as though that would be the only route forward for Toronto. Eric Bledsoe, invisible for much of the series, was at his marauding, tempo-driving best during an 18-4 Bucks run to open the game. A similar outcome to the Bucks' wire-to-wire jog in Game 2 seemed afoot. One of the central questions about the 2018-19 Raptors was one of identity. With all of the player turnover and varied skills on either side of the ball, it was an impossible team to pin down. However, if one through line of the postseason could be used to sum up this version of the Raptors, it was probably the team's unflinchingly strong chin. These Raptors could take a punch. Toronto replied to Milwaukee's haymaker not with a heavy counter-strike, but rather a sound defensive pose. After getting blitzed for 32 first-quarter points, the Raptors settled into the kind of terrifying defensive groove they'd used to smother opponents in steel games all season. It was a vicious, inescapable cycle. Defensive stand, rebound, fast break, bucket, lather, rinse, repeat. Quote, We want to be a good defensive team, said Leonard after Game 5. Quote, That's what we look at in film and everybody comments or has something to say that's knowledgeable trying to make our defense better, and we go into the game and try to execute it as best we can. Another stretch of maniacal defense became a necessity in the third quarter, as another Bucks push threatened to thrust Milwaukee ahead for good. Giannis Antetokounmpo's dunks have a demoralizing quality to them. You can do everything right to wall off his 7-foot frame from the paint, and oftentimes he'll still find a way to cram it simply because he's faster, longer, and more explosive than you. If you're lucky, he'll refrain from yelling in your face afterwards. One of those potentially back-breaking dunks put the Bucks up 63-51, was 7.43 to play in the third quarter. A team with a lesser chin may have packed it in then and there. Instead, the Raptors conjured another defensive tidal wave, accompanied by a deadly, Leonard-orchestrated offensive attack. Mike Budenholzer had come under some scrutiny after Game 4 for his defensive approach. Selling out to stop Leonard with multiple defenders left Milwaukee prone to wide-open looks from role players. Toronto's off-ball shooters were almost exclusively good to very good from long range. It was a dangerous recipe for the Bucks. Of course, these are the quandaries a player like Leonard imposed upon every defense he steamrolled through on the road to the NBA title. Defending him perfectly is nearly impossible, particularly when his playmaking is on the level it was in Game 5. Leonard set a playoff career high with 9 assists, every last one of them coming on a Raptors 3-pointer. All told, he scored or set up 62 of Toronto's 105 points in Game 5. Eventually, he softened up Milwaukee's defense enough to take it to the Bucks on his own. Quote, they were sending two or three bodies at him and kind of tilting the floor and making sure guys were loaded up on him, said Lowry of Leonard's offensive progression throughout the evening. Quote, he was making the right passes and we made some shots for him tonight. And then third quarter, he just, he's been doing it all playoffs. The game he played tonight, 35-9-7, was a pretty good game. It was a pretty good game on the big stage and on the road. Superstar. Superstar. Kawhi very active here at the start of the fourth, mm-hmm. and he hits again. He's feeling it. He's warming up. He's starting to feel it. Let's see if Siakam tries to take Lopez off the dribble. He has an advantage. Here's Leonard for three. Oh. Yes. Oh, Speaking of advantages. feeling it. <laughs> see, this is what you can do in the fourth quarter yeah. when it's a close game. Yeah. 
for Kawhi with 15 of the last 18 overall scored. The superstar dropped 15 of his 35 points in the fourth quarter. More malicious than any of his other buckets were the back-to-back -back threes he drained over the top of Brook Lopez to take the Raptors from down two to up four inside a minute. Toronto never trailed again in game five. With a 3-2 lead in hand, they returned to Toronto for a chance to advance to the first NBA Finals in franchise history. Just as unprecedented as the achievement the Raptors were on the precipice of unlocking was the scene waiting for them back in Toronto that Saturday night. And Toronto has taken a three games to two lead. May 25th, 2019. Toronto, Ontario. Eastern Conference Finals Game 6. Raptors 100, Bucks 94. The area occupying the tail end of Toronto's Bremner Boulevard, hemmed in by York Street to the west, Union Station to the north, and Scotiabank Arena to the east, used to be called Maple Leaf Square. Equipped with an enormous screen on the exterior wall of the arena, typically used to advertise upcoming concerts and shows, the area always had the potential to be a public meeting ground. It was Toronto Maple Leafs fans who first took advantage of the square. In 2013, the Leafs made their first playoff appearance in nine years. The city's toughest ticket was also its most expensive, so priced-out fans gathered outside to huddle together through whatever vile weather late April in Toronto could muster to watch their team. That particular series went poorly. Boston eliminated the Leafs in Game 7, coming back from down 4-1 with under 10 minutes to play to win 5-4 in overtime. The loss emptied the square for another year, but a citywide tradition was born. Over the next few years, as the Leafs dipped back into irrelevance and the Lowry, DeRozan, Casey Raptors hit the upswing of their win curve, it was Raptors fans who flocked to the patch of concrete just outside the arena walls. In a colloquial evolution mirroring the city's ever-growing addiction to hoops, Maple Leaf Square became known by its more recognizable name, Jurassic Park. During its first day of operation in 2014, ahead of Game 1 against the Brooklyn Nets, Masai Ujiri famously screamed, Fuck Brooklyn, before dropping the mic in front of a sea of fans, setting the tone early for the ferocity fans in the square would exude in those early days of Toronto's half-decade-long run to the title. Toronto's commitment to the bit wasn't always steadfast. Much like it was with the Maple Leafs, Jurassic Park became the place where fans who could no longer afford the exorbitant prices inside would go to experience the next closest thing. As the Raptors' playoff disappointments piled up, folks became a little less gung-ho to stand around when the weather was rotten. Crowds for away games became reliably sparse too. But not during this playoff run, not with Kawhi Leonard ushering a new sense of belief in the team's odds of not falling flat, and certainly not with a berth in the finals on the line. Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals didn't tip off until 8.30pm on Saturday the 25th. Five hours before tip, three hours before the gates to Jurassic Park even opened, the line to get in was wrapped around a city block, nearly a kilometer's worth of people standing in line for the right to stand. With passage to the first finals in team history a possibility, fans understandably wanted to be as close as possible to the epicenter of the coming earthquake. They would not be disappointed, although for a time, it seemed like they would. Giannis Antetokounmpo promised before Game 1 that the Bucks were not going to go the way of Bandy's mom. Quote, we're not going to fold, Antetokounmpo asserted after the home loss in Game 5. Quote, we're the best team in the league, we're going to go in, give it everything we've got, we can't fold. The Bucks lived up to their best player's vow. Milwaukee's half-court defense constricted the life out of Toronto's attack early on. A 31-18 lead after one was built on diligence on defense and a stream of fire shooting from the team's fingertips on offense. 
Six of the nine threes Milwaukee fired up in the quarter found bottom, and they'd keep the pressure on into the second half. By Milwaukee, Siakam going at Hill. Siakam, oh, he is rejected by Adetokumbo. Nearly two full quarters of failed attempts to chase down and last through the Bucks later. The Raptors found themselves trailing 76-61, which is 14-18 of game time remaining. Scoring 15 points, period, in that allotment of time was an odious task considering how the Bucks defended to that point. But as had been the case throughout its run through the East, Toronto's defense was no slouch either. The 2019 Raptors perpetually occupied a space where they were a four-minute defensive deluge from snatching control of a game. With 2.18 to play in the third, and Antetokounmpo subbing out for scheduled rest, it was high time they put together one of those stretches. Kawhi Leonard took it upon himself to ignite Toronto's last gasp. His stretch of play in the final two-plus minutes of the third will go down as perhaps the greatest blip of dominance ever by a Raptor, and certainly the timeliest. Toronto ended the quarter on a 10-0 run to cut the lead from 15-5, to entirely thanks to Leonard. First, he muscled his way to a three-point play. A quick mid-range jumper followed. Next, he picked out Serge Ibaka for an easy finish under the basket. Leonard working hard to uh, locate shots and hits! It counts! And lastly, a sequence of determination that only postseason desperation can give rise to. After picking up a three-shot foul and missing the third look from the line, Leonard lunged after his own brick, collecting it with his vacuum palms and earning another trip to the line on a Bucks loose ball foul. He hit both gimmies, and Toronto trailed by five, but the look in Leonard's eyes suggested no Bucks lead would last long in the fourth quarter. As it turned out, the Raptors didn't even need Leonard on the floor to continue the onslaught he provoked. With Kyle Lowry conducting as per usual, a bench-heavy lineup poured it on to open what would end up being the final quarter of Milwaukee's season. A single Brook Lopez bucket was the only moment in which Toronto's defense relented in the opening four minutes of the quarter. Leonard was able to steal rest for three and a half of those. Lowry underneath, he's bucking! And has had the hot hand the last three games. Feeding Siaka, he scores! After he subbed back in, a Fred VanVleet 3, his 14th on 17 tries since the start of Game 4, and an Ibaka hook shot opened the Raptors' lead up to 6. A couple possessions later, Lowry poked the ball out of the grasp of Chris Middleton and raced down the floor with the stolen goods. Leveling his behind into Antetokounmpo, he cleared the runway for an exclamation point. With a dump off to Leonard and a soaring lefty dunk into the body of the Greek freak, Toronto's otherworldly megastar shot the Scotiabank Arena roof into the ozone layer. Middleton goes behind the back and lost it. Lowry with the steal. He has Giannis behind him, gets to Leonard. He stopped a facer by Kawhi Leonard over Giannis Antetokounmpo. Toronto led 87-79. The scent of the finals began wafting through the concourse. Full credit belongs to Milwaukee for their response. Out of the Leonard-induced timeout called by Budenholzer, the Bucks quickly pulled within one. A Game 7 was still on the table, but not really. As a Leonard three-pointer from the right corner rattled off rim, then backboard, then through the mesh to put Toronto up 95-90, even Milwaukee must have been resigned to the charmed nature of this Raptors run. The West End rim at Scotiabank Arena should be sent to the Hall of Fame after its work in the 2019 playoffs. A series of reviews and timeouts delayed the official start of the celebrations. Toronto's fans had waited patiently for 24 years to see their team in the NBA Finals. What was a few more seconds? 
With a George Hill miss and the sounding of the final buzzer, elation enveloped a team, an arena, and a city. You could have killed the arena lights, and Kyle Lowry's smile would have done their job. All the heartbreak of previous playoff exits, the sour feelings in the wake of the DeRozan for Leonard trade, and the questions over whether the deal was even worth the gamble evaporated to form the haze that shrouded the city in glee for days. A trip to the finals had been booked. Game 1 would take place in Toronto on Thursday night. And as Masai Ujiri shouted to the beautiful lunatics in the crowd as the Eastern Conference Championship trophy was presented, the Raptors were not satisfied. Uh, we came all this way to compete and we want to win in Toronto. And we will win in Toronto! Ujiri emoted on the mic in front of the crowd, the way he did all the way back in 2014, during the opening of Jurassic Park, just with fewer profanities. For the first time in Toronto Raptors 24-year history, they will be headed to the NBA Finals. Milwaukee just took a timeout. And the Raptors will go up against the two-time defending champion Golden State Warriors. And the Raptors have done it. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.